0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: Packers and the 49ers are going to play tonight. It is a weird night, and uh, we had mentioned it a little while ago, but When you start to look at the statistics, uh, the 49ers skill players that have been ruled out for tonight's game, Jimmy Garoppolo with an ankle injury, George George Kittle, obviously, uh, he's injured as well. But then Raheem Mostert, who's injured, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne and Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel all out tonight because of uh, the COVID tests. Their left tackle out tonight as well. Those players have made up 71% of the team's total scrimmage yards this season. It's like, holy mackerel, you talk about trying to figure out who you're playing tonight. Uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll talk to uh, the head coach of the Super Bowl-winning Baltimore Ravens, and now with the NFL Network, our good buddy Brian Billick is back with us, also the host of the Q Factor podcast. Coach, how you been? I am
0: doing great. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Is this not the weirdest thing? I, I mean, granted, we live in just unprecedented times right now, but when, when you're talking about so many guys out, the Packers are down to one running back, Uh, They're going to be missing players tonight. Uh, COVID has taken, obviously, players from San Francisco. Most of their offense is gone short of the line. I've never seen anything like this. Have you?
0: No, no, it is unprecedented. And, and, you know, as a coach, you just foster the mentality of, you know, next man up, which is all well and good. The problem is next man up isn't as good. Otherwise, he wouldn't be the next man up. So, yeah, I mean, both are going to have to – what's going on with the 49ers is Gosh, you just laid out the numbers and what they're missing, how they piece it together. Clearly, they're going to have to run the ball somehow, plug yet again another running back into that Shanahan-style running game, and hope that they can uh, indeed duplicate what they've done with those because that's the only way they're going to be able to survive is they run the ball well and keep it out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers.
1: How close were you when it came to – because? Um, the, the Packers, we saw what happened with Dalvin Cook this past weekend, the inability to stop the run and, and tackle and some of the fundamental things and such. But how close were you with the general manager when it came to the trade deadline about the possibility of filling a hole or two? Because I think to a man, we all look at this and say, well, maybe they could use some help up front. They could use a linebacker. They could use another wide out to help out Aaron Rodgers. That's probably the three glaring weaknesses that everybody recognizes. So as a head coach, at what point do you go to the front office and go, I got to have a guy? Yeah,
0: all the time, and, and and you're supposed to have that ready list of guys. The problem is the trade process in the NFL, unlike baseball and basketball, you know, it's kind of tough. It, it, because of the contracts, just the way the league is run. You, you're not typically going to have that wholesale. You know, I gotta, go get me a power forward, <clears throat> go get me a utility, you know, infielder that type of thing. Uh, it's hard to do, and what's available, and what you're actually going to get out of it. So yeah, you're constantly having those conversations. You're constantly looking what may or may not be available to try to improve it now we, we've taken that to a whole nother level this year obviously because everybody's doing that because all of a sudden you got to have a deep list because all of a sudden an entire room might get uh, might get uh, eliminated on you because of covid
1: so at what point as a head coach do you look at it and go i believe i've got a team that could get to a Super Bowl"? I need one more piece uh, because I, I, like I said, there's probably three holes on this Packers team. Now, granted, you take the Will Fuller situation out of it. Maybe they didn't want to give up a second round draft pick for a guy that was going to be a rental, but you know, I when you see all these other teams that are front runners, Seattle and Pittsburgh and Kansas city and all these other teams, including Tampa Bay making moves and the, and the Packers are just kind of sitting there. I, I, I don't know what goes through the mind of a general manager and I don't know how hard they work to make a deal, but just sitting there, going, eh, you know, no, we're not, we're not going to do anything. Is, as a fan, should fans be disappointed, or they, should they just say, "Well, it's just the ship is steady"?
0: Well, you you don't want to be that team when you're a team that thinks you're just one player away. You're not, and very rarely does that work out. So, from that standpoint, you got to feel good about. And the pack just now come around to where they're they're you know active in the free agent market. So, uh, yeah, it can be frustrating, that, uh, but you have to look. Again, what is the cost, short-term, long-term? Packers have always looked long-term. That's worked well for them. Sometimes that's frustrating. Does that leave them a little short handed at times? Possibly. All you have to do is look at their first-round pick this year. Certainly a long-term move uh, compared to any number of moves they might have made in the first round that would have been more productive short-term.
1: Is there in the NFC – I look at um, the way the NFC is kind of structured now. Granted, uh, Tampa Bay probably seems to be about the most complete team. I know that adding Snacks Harrison and, and Dunlap in Seattle really helps bolster that defense. But I, the way I look at it is I, there's no juggernaut in the NFC right now. I know New Orleans has their flaws as well. So do the Green Bay Packers. Is this one year where it's probably even near the top, the top four or five teams, they're all pretty much on equal footing?
0: Yeah, we did a bit on this on the NFL Network this week, uh, talking about the NFC, and I'll even throw Tampa Bay in there. Uh, but but there is no dominant team. I mean, obviously the three top teams in the AFC, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore, and those are legitimate teams, and you can make a case for them getting all the way to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, there's everybody has holes. Everybody has qualifiers, which is great for the NFC because – that's who they're going to be playing, and, and one of them is going to make the, the the championship game and go to the Super Bowl, but then they're going to have to face one of those AFC teams that's pretty darn good. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. We could make a – sit here and I could give you three reasons why three, four, five NFC teams are going to be good enough to win the division, but I also have two or three reasons why they're not. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, leading the list. Green Bay, clearly. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers and and the balance that they have. But are they going to stay healthy? Defense has seemed to have been giving up a a lot of runs. So, you know, yeah, everybody has some holes in the NFC.
1: Under Matt LaFleur, Packers have been to the West Coast now three times, all three times, losses. They faced the the Chargers last year, got beat. They said it was a weird game. It wasn't, you know, the energy wasn't there. Then twice, obviously, to San Francisco. Uh, it, was there ever, a, a you know, a, a team that you faced in your coaching career that you just had a bugaboo? You just couldn't figure it out because you knew you prepped really well. You felt like you were prepared for the game. You just couldn't for whatever reason. It just was a weird setting, a weird feeling, a weird energy that you just couldn't get past for whatever reason.
0: You know, that can happen. Uh, uh, teams do seem to match up at times with others. I don't know that you can really quantify it. And, again, you do have to figure the cro- – Now I know it's not totally cross-country. We always talk about the east-west, west-east, those teams, the difficulty in the time zones and all that. Certainly Green Bay a little less so them being in the middle of the country. Um, but but whether it's a mindset, uh, again, and, and this goes back to when they had different coaches and, you know, it's hard to quantify, but yeah, there's always that team. Uh, Arizona, for instance, whether they're good or not, they always seem to play well against Seattle, who mm-hmm. is probably top to bottom a better team. But they, they always play better against Seattle than they do uh, any number of other teams. So it's hard to figure
1: sometimes. Um, when, when you start talking about good teams, now I want to talk a little bit about the bad teams. I was watching, uh, today that they were talking about the Dallas Cowboys and, and the Jets and the Giants and stuff and tanking. And I wanted to get your perspective because I can't imagine any coach going into any situation, not giving your all because coaches are coaching for their job. Players are playing for their job. Is this whole thing of tanking? This is completely media driven, correct?
0: Oh, it, it, it absolutely. I mean, I've never. First off, I've been in this game, man and boy, a long time. Never once, never once, ever by anybody. Ownership, management, coaches, ever heard anybody foster the idea that you know maybe it's better to lose here. Now, maybe they're thinking it. Okay, older mm-hmm. general manager, boy, getting this first pick. If we did this or that, I could, you know, I boy, I, boy here's what I could do with that. But you would never espouse it because when you're in the middle of it as a coach and a player, as difficult as it is, and as bad as you may be as a team, uh, that mindset, you just – you wouldn't begin to say it. That is a total contrivance, in my opinion, by, by the fans and media because they're kind of wishfully thinking, boy, would you sure like to get in that Trevor Lawrence screen stakes, you know, mm-hmm. And and uh, and 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 so it's more – they're thinking it than, than thinking that the clubs are actively, actively participating in a way to orchestrate that.
1: There's a couple of teams that have been 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 bad early that have now gotten a couple of wins. You look at Minnesota, they just beat Green Bay. Atlanta's won two out of their last three. Detroit, albeit they lost last week and they're going to be without Matthew Stafford most likely for this upcoming game. They were uh, inching near the 500 mark. Is there a team out there that you think that some of these teams that they're they're kind of on the cusp and maybe after a really horrific start they're starting to turn it back around? I mean, even San Francisco, but they lost Garoppolo, Kittle, and Bosa and such, and I don't know how they're going to be able to sustain without those guys, but... Is, is there a team or two out there you think, you know what, don't sleep on these guys. They're not as bad as what the record indicates?
0: Yeah, uh, from that standpoint, and particularly since we have a larger playoff field. So that's going to expand the field, not that they're going to go in and do anything different in the playoffs. Um, and, and whether it's really a bad team, that you're, Minnesota, you're right. They, they were a good, solid team, That whether it was the Young Corners, uh, they just had some bad breaks. I think they're better than their record indicates. I don't know how good they really are, and we still have to see Kirk Cousins step up. But I think Minnesota, as you said, falls in that category. Arizona has been a little up and down, uh, and they're intriguing. And Kyler Murray's the real deal. Their defense is, is playing better. Um, and and so uh, and I think Tennessee is a team that, even though they were thought of highly coming in, they've had a couple losses. Uh, that was a head-scratcher against Cincinnati. I don't know how you look at that and justify it. I tell you, a team that's really sneaky to me, and they've been good, they shouldn't be. Is Indianapolis? Uh, they're five and two. They're they're a sneaky five and two. Good. Now can they? You know, and it's all about Philip Rivers. And as long as he can be on a thirty pitch count, uh, that you you know you got a chance. Now if it's a forty forty five, you're going to get all of Phillip Rivers, which means touchdowns and interceptions. But that defense is pretty good. They take the ball away. Uh, I think Indianapolis is an intriguing team. We're going to find out against them this week against Baltimore.
1: How about the Raiders? Are the Raiders I, – I, I looked at the Raiders and I went, oh, they're over five they They're a 4-3 team. They've got some decent wins. I, are, are the Raiders a good team that's on the come, or is that a team that uh, is still on the rise that uh, they're just not ready to kind of fly yet?
0: Uh, no, I think they're there, you know, they and, and their commitment to – you know, they're going to run the ball uh, 45 times last week. Uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be one of those rare 300-plus carry guides. Uh so uh, this is, uh, you know, this is what they're going to do. They're better on defense. I like uh, Derek Carr. I think he's a good, solid quarterback. Yeah, I think they, now they're in, a, unfortunately, a division. They're not going to catch up with Kansas City. But they're, they're, they still got a chance to, to, you know, do some damage.
1: Coach, real quick, tell us before I let you go about the Q Factor podcast because you just started doing this, and I find it fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's gone with the book, uh, the Q Factor that came out last month, and, and uh, the people we talked to, and just found the conversations interesting. So I decided to do a podcast, talking with people like Bill Polian, uh, uh, Ozzie Newsome, talking to some great quarterbacks, or getting some clips of great quarter, whether it be uh, Joe Montana and and uh, Steve Young and Troy Aikman and Kurt Warner, and talking about what it takes to play that position. And it's been fascinating, and I invite people to, to check it out, the, the podcast, because obviously it's the most important position in the NFL, and it's one that uh, we traditionally in the first round screw it up. I mean, it's 50-50 at best. We ought to be better than that.
1: Absolutely awesome. It's called the Q Factor Podcast. You also rep X-Tech Pads, our good friends over there. I see more and more in those on TV all the time too as well. But great to talk to you, Coach. I appreciate it. We'll touch base again soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, pal. Talk to you later. There you go. Brian Billick, uh, the Super Bowl winning head coach, was with the Baltimore Ravens, now with the NFL Network. He's with X-Tech Pads. Also, he's got the Q Factor Podcast. Uh, And, and, you know, no position in sports is more critical to success uh, of a team than quarterback. So, good stuff there. You can uh, find it, again, at the Q Factor Podcast. That's the Q Factor Podcast. And you can find it pretty much where any podcasts are. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline, Schneider Hiring Drivers, right now. You work hard, they treat you fair, 80-plus years. They've been doing it. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.